0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I love those lyrics there. Uh, Don't let anything hold you back. Your father is calling you. Don't let anything. Don't let anyone hold you back. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Lord, thank you, O God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your blessed Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your great grace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, that your blood washes us as clean as snow, washes us whiter than snow, Though our sins be as red as crimson, you can make us white as wool. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Make us as white as wool tonight. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Shower us with your mercy. Shower us with your grace. Shower us, O Lord, with your love, O Lord. We are your beloved, O God. Work in us and through us and for us, O Lord. That we would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, wash every blemish, wash every fault. Oh God, restore us, sanctify us, it's holy. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. <coughs> it's a it's a beautiful song, man. uh if you guys were wondering by you know who uh who sings that song is Jason Upton. Um man, the songs are a classic. It's uh, it's a bit dated. I believe it came out in like 2005. I, lo- I, love, uh, I love some of the older songs and um, very deep. You know, one of the things I love about Jason, uh, there's a song called Fly by Jason Upton. <clears throat> and if you watch the interview, um, they um, on the soundtrack, it's literally captured on the soundtrack. There's an angel singing along with him. Uh, you have really you only have Jason singing on the actual track. Um, as far as you know, there there wasn't anybody else accompanying him. Um, however, on the soundtrack you see um, another wave peaking in a higher frequency than than Jason's, and it was an, and they had literally um, smoke begin to descend, like a fog began to descend in um, as they were singing and. Uh, they noticed uh, one of the boys had pointed out a young boy pointed out that there was like a 13 foot figure behind Jason up then <clears throat> um, but you you can see the you can hear the angel singing along with him it's a very uh, yeah the song is entitled fly you know and then when you when you mention stuff like that, you know, cessationists just absolutely begin to manifest. <laughs> right? Uh, they think you're making stuff up. And and the interesting thing is they're so desperate to justify their unbelief because cessationism isn't the cessation of angelic visitation. Where in the Bible does this, you know, they love to try to make the case that God has somehow seized with, you know, the gifts which you can't make a case for that that's that's it's not biblical um, but what what about angelic visitations? just you see the problem is the problem isn't that you're correcting false doctrine the, the the Their problem is that they call something false doctrine to make their conscience feel better about their unbelief because they don't witness the miraculous. And they accuse people like us, who speak in tongues, who believe in casting out demons and stuff like that. They accuse us of being insane, um, lacking integrity with the scriptures, lacking uh, basic interpretive principles to interpret scripture. They accuse us of these things <clears throat> to make themselves feel better. They, and they also accuse us of basing, formulating a theology based on experience. But the, the the irony is that they formulate a theology and a belief system based on their lack of experience. Amen. They don't they don't witness those things, and so they to, because they don't want to feel insecure. Why things like that are not happening in their lives? They have to say, "Well, maybe the problem isn't me. The problem is." Uh, this you know and obviously they're not going to say well the bible's false right because they're they're inputting their little cheat codes and they can't seem to experience some of these things right because there are certain keys that you have to use and employ to unlock spiritual realities and and they they, right that so they have to say well people are just misinterpreting the bible right and they can just hide behind that veil. Right? So on paper they say they believe the Bible, but functionally everything about their lives indicates that they don't. So we just get to read about miracles, we never get to witness them. Right? We just get to read about it. We don't ever we don't ever get to see God do anything though. We we but somehow they want to persuade us that we're in a better covenant. How? When we only read about those that you claim to have been in an inferior covenant have experienced, right? Come on, man. You know. Uh, anyways, I don't want to go on. I don't want to go on about those guys, but uh, I want to. Um, if you guys ever watch their stuff, you know Justin Peters. You know, uh, uh, especially him. Um, who else? Uh, Todd Friel. They they love to attack charismatics, and the problem is they love to straw man us because they use some of the most erroneous, abu- and, and ab- abusive examples in the charismatic world to then falsely caricature us and say all of us, all of them are like that. See when you all. O- when you become a charismatic, that's what you open yourself up to. No, they're strawmanning us. No, we don't, we're not committing crazy abuses, really? right? So so that's that's wrong of them, and so that's that's why I throw those people under the bus because, you know, the interesting thing is when you look up the Greek word for heretic there in Colossians, where it says, you know, warn a heretic. Uh, once and after that, uh, and I warn them twice. After they have nothing to do with such a man, the the word there is uh, divisive. And and what makes them divisive is that they have their own traditions that are not scriptural, and they're fragmenting the body of Christ through their their false doctrine. Amen. So that's why I call Calvinism and cessationism heresy, because definitionally it is. It's not a damnable heresy that's going to condemn you to hell, but you're still fragmenting the body. You're disunifying the body. And, and meanwhile, they think that they're offering service to God. Right? They're not offering any service to God. Amen. None whatsoever. <clears throat> but um, nonetheless, I, I want to just prime us a little bit with the scriptures before we get into prayer amen as i've as i've been uh you know teaching us that um our prayer life will be no greater than um no man is greater than his prayer life and our prayer life will be no greater than our knowledge of the word and and the prayers that are in keeping with the word of god um because jesus said that if his word abides in us and we in him that we can ask whatsoever we wish and those things will be given to us right so now if you're not filled with the word then how that will explain why you don't get any form of answers because what what you're allowing yourself to be led by are your thoughts and your feelings and so when you just pray your thoughts and pray your feelings right then how do you expect to get answers from god right <clears throat> so let me give you a prime example it's an extreme example but it's a prime one uh the guy I, f- I don't even know the dude's name but sometime back he he offered his um it can barely be called a prayer but he he closes with instead of amen he closed with a woman so that's a prime example of injecting your thoughts or the thoughts of demons in your prayers right Amen I can think of numerous examples of uh, of prayers that do not honor God right and and some of them are very overt and obvious others are not so obvious but they're more subtle <clears throat> right and so the the point is that we have to have a correct understanding of the scriptures we have to get the word of god in our hearts as david said in psalm 119 did he not say this that your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path i've hidden your word in my heart that i may not sin against you so there has to be a hiding and the hiding is there in the heart and the 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 thing being hid is the word of the lord Okay, but see the thing is what you have to do, it's not enough to read the scriptures. You have to really study the scriptures. Because what separates us, say, from another group of people that have come to incorrect conclusions about the word of God, do they not read it themselves? They read it. But the problem is that in there they don't study it with correct rules. Uh, uh, interpretive principles, and that's how you can come to these erroneous conclusions, right? And so meanwhile, you think that you understand God correctly, you understand his works, you understand his ways. Meanwhile, you're misguided and misunderstanding. People keep praying for the Lord to return, the Lord return, not understanding that their eschatology is false. They're praying something that's never going to be heard. I'm not saying that God is going to judge them for that, Or somehow God doesn't at least reckon their sincerity, but it's all in vain. You're giving birth to the wind. Right? This generation shall not pass away before all these things take place. Right. And so the thing there, one of the things is the coming of the Lord. So the Lord came in judgment over against those wicked and unbelieving Jews, as he st- stated in Matthew 23, that the blood, yeah. the blood that they shed would be required at that generation. So that was the uh, that was the coming that Jesus told the apostles to pray for in Luke 18, giving the example of the importunate widow, saying you know, don't faint in prayer. Keep praying for the coming of the Lord. Uh, and, and he says, Shall not God avenge his elect who cry to him day and night? He will see that they get just speedily. But when the Son of Man comes to the earth, will he find faith? He was admonishing that those first century apostles, saying, You don't faint in prayer. My question is this. If they were praying for the coming of the Lord, and Jesus if Jesus was not speaking to them, excuse me, if Jesus was speaking to them, and he told them, instructed them, pray this way, this is the object of, this is the, the, the particular petition I want you to pray. And if it turned out the, uh, to be the case that the Lord did not return, then the promise Jesus gave to them was an empty promise. Because he emphatically said that he will come speedily. Over 2,000 years, is not speedily. Oh, come on, somebody. This is the word of God. Now, I'm not making this stuff up. Paul said that at the coming of the Lord, right, he tells the church at Thessalonica, he says, God considers it just to repay with retribution those that are afflicting you. And God will grant you relief at his coming. He will pay with retribution those who are afflicting you. Now, when would the relief for the church at Thessalonica be given? The relief that would be given to the church at Thessalonica would be given at the coming of the Lord. Now, if the Lord did not come, then relief was not given to the church at Thessalonica. Well, one might retort and say, well, the relief was given at their death. Ah, but here's the thing. That's not the promise Paul gave. He did not say God will give you relief at your death. He said he will give you relief at the coming of the Lord. So so the Bible is not written to you. It's not written to me. It was written to them. The Thessalonica, those in Thessalonica would not have read that and say, I think that he was talking about the 21st century church in America. Ah, oh, don't apply to us. We don't have to worry about it. No, he didn't say that. Amen. I, know, I know it offends some of our minds, right? But here's the thing. See, we that's where we have to stop relying on our own head and start allowing the Word of God to speak what it says. Allow the plain reading of the text... To speak to us. Jesus says in Luke chapter 21 verse 22. If I'm not mistaken. He says these are the days of vengeance. To fulfill all that has been written. Not some. All that has been written. Now what were the these days? If Jesus was speaking future tense. He would say those days. He's not speaking future tense. He's speaking present tense. So he says these are the days a vengeance that will fulfill all that has been written. So my point, though, is this, that Jesus is not a false prophet. He is a true prophet, an accurate prophet. And John the Baptist and Jesus began announcing the judgment that would come on Old Covenant Israel in A.D. 30. And it was fulfilled in A.D. 70. We know this because of Josephus. Precisely in AD 70. Now you do the calculations. How many years is that? 40 years. And we're told in the book of Psalms that a generation is 40 years. He says, For 40 years was I angry with that generation. The old generation that had come out of Egypt wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Okay? And it was that 40 year period of time that they wandered through that wilderness so that they may eventually enter into rest. Some of them didn't enter in and they fell because of the wrath of God. And so John the Baptist in Matthew 3 began to say "Who to the Pharisees, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? The ax is already at the root and the root represented that Jew, those Jews who would be cut off, right? Okay. And so 40 years exactly, 30 A.D., To 70 A.D. And Jesus says in what? Matthew 24, verse 34. This generation, generations 40 years, will not pass away until all of these things happened. Amen. So Jesus, man, I love it. Because you know why? We get to stuff the mouth of those atheists and those Muslims who are accusing us of Not Muslims, excuse me, because they hold that Jesus is a prophet. But atheists and critical scholars of the New Testament to say, your prophet failed. He said he would come in that generation. He didn't. And yet, this understanding, which is not the the majority view, it's a minority view, but it is the correct view. And it's only this view that can actually account for the atheists. And give them an answer and shut their mouths. Oh, no, he came. And you know what he said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 23? He said to the apostles, you will not finish going through Israel until you see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. So let me, let me get this straight. We think that the apostles are still in Israel and haven't finished evangelizing it. Come on, let the, the word of God, the, the plain reading of the text speak to our conscience. He says in Matthew 10, verse 23, again, you will not finish going through all the towns of Israel. Who was he speaking to? The apostles, audience relevance, context. You will not finish going through all of Israel until you see the Son of Man coming. Matthew chapter 16, I believe, verses 17 and 20, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse 27 and 28, he says, some of you standing here, will not taste death until you see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. Cannot be any more explicit. Cannot be any more evident. Cannot be any more emphatic. Amen. Amen. So my point, though, I'm not trying to get into eschatology. I'm trying to teach you something here. That Jesus, the instructions he gave to them, the apostles in Luke chapter 18... It was not in vain. He said that they would be given vengeance speedily. Right? They would be given vengeance speedily because of their persecutors that were vexing them. And they would be given relief at the coming of the Lord when he squashed and annihilated 1.1 million Jews. And you read this in Eusebius. I highly recommend the book. It's over there. I've been getting getting amazing gems from it. <clears throat> but the but the believers were warned by an oracle. And they began to see the signs up until that time that Jesus warned in Matthew 24. He says, you'll begin to hear rumors of wars. And the rumors were the wars that would erupt between the Romans and the Jews because prior to then they were at peace and cohabitating because Jerusalem was under Roman occupation. So they had peace. And Jesus told us that they would be proclaiming peace, peace up until the time of the flood. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. How was it in the days of Noah? Did did the wicked people or the right, did Noah get sucked up into the sky by the mega vacuum? No, he didn't get sucked up by no uh, mega vacuum. No, he built an ark And the wicked were removed, not the righteous. Do you see that? So when Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, my question to us is this. Why do we keep saying the righteous are going to get sucked into the sky? When it was in the days of Noah, the wicked were removed? And that's precisely what happened. And that's why Jesus told them, when you see these signs, flee to the mountains. And as Eusebius records, they were warned by an oracle. They fled to the mountains, to the city of Pella, and they were saved. That was the salvation they inherited, the rescuing, the deliverance that they inherited. And those who were not believers, they were overtaken by that day as a thief in the night. But Paul says in Thessalonians, that day will not overtake you like a thief. For you're all children of light. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation in Christ. Amen. The wrath there was the wrath spoken in Romans 9, referring to the vessels of wrath, right? The Calvinists like to twist for their own little pet doctrines, thinking that God predetermined and predestined people to hell. What a reprehensible doctrine. No. He didn't predestine anybody to hell. What God had a foreordained plan that there would be a kingdom and a new temple and a new covenant and that those who did not transition in were be would be the vessels of wrath and those vessels were the unbelieving Jews. That Paul says in Romans 2 would be the day of wrath. Amen. <coughs> Hallelujah. Um, I know, I know that this disorientates us, but it, don't conflate disorientation with God is confusing you or this stuff is confusing. It's not confusing. The problem is, is when all your life you're told that a dog is called a cat, when someone tells you that that cat, uh, that, uh, uh, when, when someone tells you that a dog is called a cat, when you actually set the record straight, it's confusing and you're like, nah, that's not what I've been told. Well, I know it's not what we've been told, but I'm sorry. I I I really want to get to 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 prayer. Luke 18, though, the reason why I veered a little bit into eschatology is to demonstrate that Jesus is not did not ask the apostles to pray in vain. Amen. Amen. Oh boy. You know, we need a reformation in the church, and the reformation is going to be by the word. It it it's it, it has to be by the word, right? It's not what this denomination said or or this person over here said. It it, it doesn't matter. What matters is what the text says, and so the moment we start infusing what we want the text to says, then we, we veer into dangerous ground. Because then at what point does it stop? Where does it end? Amen. Right? And so I have to be willing to to, to never twist the scriptures to say what what is convenient or easy to say because the populace believes it. You know what? What I'm teaching you right now, I, I've labored over extensively, and and did not come out overnight. Because like, oh man, this sounds amazing. I've lost friends. I've, I've lost I I've lost brothers and sisters that said they they, you know, this that and the other, and they they went south on me because I don't believe what the 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 bulk of Christians believe today. And so, what sort of incentive do I get out of this? It was a sacrifice. It hurt. And it brought me through mental pain. I don't... See, see, here's the problem with a lot of Christians, because they don't have integrity with the Scriptures. They don't have integrity with the Scriptures. And so, what their determining factor is, what brings my head comfort? I I I have, I had have determined to not allow myself to be influenced by what brings me comfort. That's why I have the Holy Spirit for. I don't get comfort from false doctrine, or at least I should not. Amen. And so, so if I keep, I keep shielding my mind from the word of the Lord, then I am mitigating and, and preventing the word of God from shaping and renewing my mind. I don't want that. I don't want it. And what I've learned is that it's easier for believers to give up pet sins than it is for them to give up pet doctrines. Amen. It's easier, I'm telling you, it, I, it's easier for a crackhead to give up the crack than for someone to relinquish their false doctrine. And I'm not saying that the false doctrine regarding the end times is going to lead people to hell. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not demonizing Christians here. I'm not saying that you, you're you saved on the, your view of eschatology. Your view, you're saved on your view of Christology and soteriology. In other words, do you have the doctrine of salvation correct and your view of Christ correct? But... We can't say it doesn't matter. Because what happens is all all I see, look, it would be easier for me to say, I want to fear monger people. I want to get rich. I want to get a lot of money. So I'm going to go on TikTok and I'm going to just start saying, oh, is this the Antichrist? Oh my gosh. Be prepared for the Mark of the Beast. Prepare for barcodes and RFID chips. And, Hey man, because why? Fear sells. That's why that whole left behind movie got so many views and I made a lot of money. Why? Because fair sells. Amen. Doesn't it? Right? Because you're like, ooh, what is this guy saying? What what, what is uh Big Nick saying? Oh, the Nephilim appeared in the, you know, thirteen foot Nephilim in the, the uh what's it called? The Florida Mall. Or Richard Lorenzo, what is he saying? The Nephilim. Oh, you better watch out because the mark of the beast, and you know, could this guy, the king at Denmark, thirteenth king, at, king at Denmark, be the antichrist and all this sort of stuff? I'm t- look, look. That's why. That's why Big Nick he got a ten thousand dollar check off one video on TikTok, and I know this personally because I know people that know him personally. $10,000 from one video on TikTok. You don't think that these people are strategic? Wanting to just fearmonger you so that your psyche is now entrapped to keep getting more fed? Nobody's built up in the faith by being lied to. Amen. Amen. So, so if numbers shrink, I don't care cuz I want to be faithful to God and what he says in his text. That's all I care about. Amen. $10,000 one video is is it any wonder? Any wonder? And I'm not saying I'm not I'm not against I'm not against if, you know, God blesses you. I'm just saying it should not be because I'm promulgating a a fear-inducing narrative that is not in keeping with the Scriptures. I'm sick of people so inadequate and incompetent in the Scriptures, twisting it and peddling the Word of God. Amen. And see, that's why when, when, when people like myself will comment on Richard Lorenzo's or guys like that or uh, uh uh what's her name jennifer weaver they block me why do they block me is it because they know that i know the scriptures and they know that when they see oh someone uh they, they're not an ignorant fool but they actually are exposing the scriptures and then when you comment on that they block you i didn't insult them i didn't call them out I didn't, I didn't curse them i didn't do any of that why do they do this right why I've had like four big shots block me so far I, I don't I don't remember the exact number <clears throat> have insulted them then call them names n- nothing nothing whatsoever just quoting scripture quoting scripture okay so Um, Let's go to Mark chapter 10, verse 51. My desire is that you would have your mind renewed by the scriptures. That's what my desire is. My desire is that you'd be exposed to truth. Because why? Because that's Christ's desire. Look. The Lord doesn't always tell you easy things. Why did he tell his apostles? I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. If the word of God is always supposed to give you fuzzies. Then why is it that Jesus said that? Right? Because it doesn't always give you fuzzies. It doesn't always comfort you. It educates Amen. you. And sometimes that educational process means that uh, an unlearning And that deconstruction and that unlearning process is a painful one, because I've had a number of them. They're painful, and so I sympathize. I began to think, "What in the world was I taught this whole time? How was that? How how did I miss it?" And so Matthew, Mark, uh, Mark, chapter ten, verse fifty one. <clears throat> it says what um what do you want me to do for you Jesus asked him the blind man said rabbi i want to see verse 52 go said jesus your faith has healed you immediately he received his sight and followed jesus sorry my uh, internet was cutting out a little bit go said jesus your faith has healed you immediately he received uh he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road now I want to read verse 51 again and and the the guy here he's he's uh the blind man bartimaeus and I'm not reading the entire passage there just for the sake of brevity um, I want to get to the main point here um, without keeping you too long and uh, for us to eventually get to prayer. Um, I didn't intend to going on that little lecture about eschatology. Um, but 51, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. So now, what the reason why I'm having us go to this text is because I want us to see that uh, blind Bartimaeus was... Um, Confronted, right, by the question that Jesus posed to him. And Jesus asked him a very specific question. And the question is, What do you want me to do for you? And now notice the response of the blind man wasn't, I just want to be blessed. Right? He didn't have this generic, general statement. That he just has learned to parrot and regurgitate by attending uh church on a weekly basis. Well. Right? I just won't be I just be blessed. <laughs> right? Okay, well define what blessing is. Be specific. And so what we know, what we see here is that the request that blind Bartimaeus had was specific. He says, I want to see. I can't see. That's what I want from you, Lord. So, but notice, Jesus was willing to, to, Jesus was willing, first of all, right? So, what does that show about God? Is that God is willing to grant you the petitions that you ask to Him. Hello. Right? Jesus wasn't smug. He didn't shun him. He didn't he didn't brush him aside. Right? So I, I I'm wondering who here finds themselves in the position of blind Bartimaeus. But well, now here, here's the thing though. You might have some requests like, oh, I just want a Pastor to to give messages I always agree with. Well, <laughs> Too bad because I, I, I don't do things in the flesh. And I, I I commune with with the Holy Ghost. And I get orders from God. I don't I don't do things on my own initiative. I don't preach my own word. Right? Amen. But this request here was in keeping with the will of God. Because it's precisely through the miraculous that Jesus received glory. But do you know, if it was a cessationist today, you know, would you say, oh, Jesus don't heal? Amen. Right? See, that's why, that's the danger of cessationism. Because if B- blind Bartimaeus was a cessationist, he would have precluded that as a petition of his. And he would have never received his sight. Right? Come on, some guy, you, you kind of a bit hard to preach to. I don't know if we're sleeping or if we're offended. Um, it's the word of God. Right? So so notice though, he says the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. That's what I want. I, I, what what is it that you want? But here's the thing. You know that you ever question why Jesus asked the uh, paralytic, "Will you? Are you willing for me to make you whole?" When I first, when I was a new believer, I thought that, and and I wouldn't say it, but I thought that was the silliest question to ask. Who does it? But when I understood more of human psychology. And where people really are at in their interests, I began to learn that men don't always want help because it awakens them to responsibility. Amen. So, what happens if, oh, no, I don't want to get healed because I'll lose my disability check. <laughs> I don't want to work, right? Amen. And sadly, and I, it, I'm gonna say for what it is, in the black community, women are taught to not want a man. So obviously, they're not gonna ask God for a husband because I don't want to clean his his clothes. I I don't want to cook. I don't. Mm-mm. I'm a queen. <laughs> am I lying though I'm not lying I'm not saying it's true for everybody but stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason right Amen. you 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 could say all oh, you know Mexicans love tacos and you're not lying we love them we're, we're not going around eating Taco Bell. That's not a taco. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> taco, Bell. taco Bell ain't no taco. I don't know what what that is. <laughs> I think I saw it crawl and move. <laughs> <laughs> don't insult us by offering us white tacos. <laughs> it's an insult. <laughs> Uh but anyways, my point though is is Jesus had to ask him, not blind Bartimaeus, but the paralytic Do you want do you want to be made whole? Why? Because now you're not gonna be carried around all your life anymore. People aren't gonna carry your map for you. You gotta start carrying it. See, and this is why a lot of times too, you know, people, especially in charismatic circles, guys that listen to Alexander Pagani and, and all, I don't, I don't have anything really bad to say about Alexander and guys like that. But when all is emphasized is, is deliverance, 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 sometimes it can be a, a medication to our minds to th- blame everything on a demon. Because the, if it's a demon, then, it's someone else involved. That it's the the problem to my life. When if if it's my if it's me, then I am awakened to a responsibility that I did not have prior. Do you see? I'm not one of those unbelieving believers. Those Christian atheists, such as the cessationists, to say there are no Christians can't have a demon. That's false. They can, but the the point though is. Not everything is attributed to a demon, right? And so so and sometimes I'm not saying that all believers willfully convince themselves. I'm not saying that. I'm saying however it is a reality and it does occur sometimes. Because the most heart crushing thing is that we're responsible for something and we're failing in it. It it doesn't feel good. Amen. And this is why in this soft generation we're awarding trophies for the losers in sports. Why are we awarding trophies for losers? I'm not saying that they're morally reprehensible people. I'm just saying, dude, you lost. Get better. Train harder. (laughs) Work more. And then maybe you'll win next time. Because then for the winners, the trophy doesn't mean anything. Amen. Right. So why are you going to strip the people of their hard work and and enjoying the reward of their labor? No. We're trying to we're trying we're trying to equalize everybody and bring an equal outcome. Everybody has an equal opportunity. Stop trying to legislate and force equality of outcome. Amen. Because guess what? God doesn't have equality of outcome because the the outcome is this: there's only one guy and one God, and you better recognize and not everybody's God. So obviously there will never be an equality of outcome as far as position is concerned, because there's only one on the throne. Amen. And guess Amen. what? There can only be one number one. so if you got last place, then work harder, and you might become number one. Man. And there's a sense of admiration that that elicits our hearts when when people begin to do commendable and strenuous and heroic and difficult things. Man. I I am no I, I I I'm not a soccer player but I can admire the people that done hard work to earn a world cup. And even Paul says, "Hey, Compete according to the rules as one who will win a prize. So even Paul, even Paul recognized there's losers and winners in the kingdom. Right. But nonetheless, I'm sorry, I keep diverting. But what I want us to learn here is that specificity in prayer Right, he didn't say. I didn't know. I don't know what I want. Oh, I not I've never thought about it. Right, maybe he never. Right, there's some people that don't think about it because they don't come a mile close to a prayer meeting. <laughs> they avoid it like black plague. Get that away from me. I don't want to pray. Man, I I am saddened by the state of the church today. That for those that don't want to pray, I had an amazing prayer uh, prayer time earlier, beautiful time of prayer. Just began to pray that the, you know it was amazing because I was I was using the Lord's prayer as an outline. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, and you know just for an, more about an hour and fifteen minutes, I couldn't get past the first line in that in the Lord's prayer. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. I said, Lord, may your name be hallowed. May my life hallow your name. May I understand what it means to hallow your name. May I revere you in a greater way. May my conduct, may my speech, may my attitude, may my prayers always uh, uh, be aiming towards the, the, the sacredness of your name, exalting your name, glorifying your name, magnifying your name. Amen. Lord, may, may these areas where your name is not hollowed, but is blasphemed, may your name become praised, may your name become hollowed, may your name be glorified. Lord, may my conduct not uh, cause for the Gentiles to blaspheme your name. Amen. May it be held as holy and reverent and glorious through my life. See, Daniel's gift made room for him in the book of Daniel, did it not? And his righteousness and his morality and his uprightness and his integrity is what compelled Nebuchadnezzar to recognize, oh, this guy Daniel, he's serving the Lord of Lords. Why? Because Daniel interpreted his dream. You know why? Because he wasn't a duplicitous, deceitful man speaking about, all oh, the Mark of the Beast and the, the computer chips and the RFID chips. You know, all that stuff. No, he he spoke by the spirit of truth and had an accurate interpretation to Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And he Mm -hmm. says, man, even all the astrologers, soothsayers, and enchanters, they couldn't do that. There's something unique. You're serving the true and the living God. And so Nebuchadnezzar did not blaspheme the name of the Lord, but rather praised him as the only true God because of the conduct and the gifting of Daniel. Amen. Right, but suppose Daniel was like the prophets today, the TikTok prophets, that are just fear-mongering. Then, then Nebuchadnezzar would have shut him down. Yeah. <clears throat> right? The world isn't impressed by our theatrics. You think the world is going to go to the... You see, it's only the church that is impressed by cheesy Christian movies and cheesy theatrics that the world does better. right I'm telling you so you, you the world is not going to super Bowl Christian churches they're not going there, I promise you they're not Amen. you know what they're doing they're they're getting drunk and they're barbecuing, and they're sleeping around because that's if we're going to be giving people flesh, they might as well maximize the flesh and not delude themselves and bore themselves to death in some. Terrible so-called church. Amen. Right? No, if if the world is gonna go to the church is because they want to encounter the power of God and they want to change. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Right? The, 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 Paul didn't say if there's an unbeliever who walks in your midst, there's gonna they're gonna be bedazzled and amazed by your uh, uh wrecking ball sermon. No, he says. When they prophesy, the sins of their hearts are laid bare. And they will say, surely, the God of truth is among you. Hallelujah. The God of truth is among you. You know, I've had amazing testimonies where I've seen an atheist turn back into a theist in a single day. Because I prophesied to him. God gave me words of knowledge. He went from losing his faith... That day in science class, because the, the the professor, the the teacher, taught on evolution. He lost his faith that day. Here I come, evangelizing on the streets. I gave him a word of knowledge. Your mother got you taken away because of drugs. And now she's currently in rehabilitative programs to try to get you back. You live with your grandma. You like cars. And I just, boom, 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 boom. God started showing me all these things. Then he's like tripping out. And I asked him, so you believe in the Lord Jesus? To, do you believe in God again? Do you believe in Christ? He's like, yeah, I do. What the heck, how this happen? <laughs> so it, 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 it's amazing. So the devil threw, you know, a left and the Lord threw a right, boom, and knocked the enemy out. That, that's not going to happen today. <clears throat> so, it's amazing. Amen. It's amazing. But, so specificity in prayer right? Specificity in prayer. And so this is what, I'm sorry, I know I keep diverting, but what I want us to learn here is, you know, I believe it was, uh, Ian Bounds or it might've been, um, I, for, I forgot, but he said, they said praying general answers yield, uh, pray, praying general prayers yield general answers. In other words, if, I just, if I'm so generic and broad in general and I don't know what to pray for or I'm just rapid firing all these different things and I myself, I'm not being definitive, I'm not defining, I'm not being specific when it comes to my prayers to God, what I want, then how do I know if those prayers have come? How do I know? Oh God bless the world. Okay. okay. Who who in the world? And in what way? Do you understand? Oh God help uh Sarah. Okay? Help when with in what way? How? Amen. So so, so I had this amazing testimony. <clears throat> Sometime back, um, I did not have um, enough money to pay for my electricity bill. And it was due in like a couple of days. And, um, and one of the principles I've always lived by is the George Mueller principles. I don't ask people for money. I, I don't. I'll, obviously, I need to teach that giving is biblical, tithing is biblical, I don't ask men. I don't panhandle. I don't beg men. I don't manipulate people into, you know, I don't do that. Okay, so, um, because I believe what Jesus says, ask. He didn't say ask men. He says, ask him. Ask the Father and you shall receive. Isn't that what Jesus said? There's a stigma on the church because people don't trust God and they panhandle men and they guilt trip men. And so, no, no. Yes, giving is biblical. Yes, tithing is biblical. But teaching on something is not the same thing as panhandling. And that's what a lot of preachers are doing because they don't have faith in the Lord that he will provide. And so Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. For all those who seek shall find, all those who ask receive, and to them that knock the door shall be opened. He didn't say, ask and it might be given, seek and you might find it, knock and I, I might open it. He didn't say that, did he? Okay, so then why are we knocking on the doors of men and not on, the, on God's door? Why are we always asking men when we don't ask God? Why are we always seeking from men when we should be seeking from God? right? He is the source. And so, and anyways, I was praying. I went to prayer meeting that that evening and I didn't tell, ask my wife how much the bill was because I went to go to the Lord and ask him how much I could expect to receive from him. I said, Lord, you know that this bill is due. I don't even know how much it is, um, but how much can I expect to receive from you? Because I know that you never suffer the righteous to be forsaken. I am not out of your will. I'm not out of alignment with what with, with what what you've told me to do. so your sufficiency is promised. And so the Lord told me that I would have at least two hundred and fifty dollars. I kept praying. the following day, nothing. I kept praying. And then the following day after that, the bill due. Still nothing. But I'm still not shaking in faith because I know that God is going to provide. I just don't know how. And then that day I was given $250 without asking from men. And then when my wife told me how much the bill was, it was $250. Amen. Amen. So I was specific, right? I could have become anxious, and that's just one out of many stories that I have, but I, I will spare you uh, for the sake of time, but I wanted to use that example to bolster your faith, to encourage your faith, right? And so the more specific you are, the more aware and the more cognizant you are when the answer actually comes. You're not fumbling, thinking, "Did God answer this?" Right? <clears throat> and I and let me let me show you this other passage in Second Corinthians chapter twelve, and this will be the last passage, I promise. Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse Second uh, uh, Corinthians chapter yes, chapter twelve, verse uh. Verse seven. So, so what hap- But what what is required when we are praying like that is immense faith. For example, like when I'm prophesying, um, I can choose to utter the revelation I've received, or I can I can generalize it, right? And if, if, if you make it so broad to where it can apply to anybody or anything, faith isn't needed. But if, if God is giving you specific details about someone and he's speaking to you and you, and you mention those details and say, Hey, this is true about you or blah, 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 blah. Then either you're wrong or you're right. You're too specific to fall in the gray area. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. right amen somebody so so. Um, and this is where you have to not depend on the head but depend on the spirit I have one example when I prophesied to a sister uh, some time some year or two back and um, it was uh, she actually had come today Uh, Noemi, uh, but she she, uh, left early. Um, But she's from Hungary. And I I know that she's from Hungary. She lives in Hungary. But the Lord told me that she she had problems, money problems, financial problems, at a bank in Germany. And I'm thinking, what the heck? I know she lives in Hungary. (laughs) And and it makes sense to me. Do you understand? I can depend to rely on my head and what I know from her and give a word from knowledge or a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit. And so what I prophesied that and it turned out to be the case that she was having problems, financial problems at the bank in Germany. And. Um, I didn't know that from my head. Right. From right. Adam. But that utterance requires faith because there is specificity. It is specific. So in prayer, I have this other amazing example. When in prayer, when I used to work at a high school, I had prophesied to one of my coworkers. I said, in 90 days, uh, you're going to get a, a call uh, and you're going to get hired on for probation. And probation is a, is a, like a, um, it, I don't even know what to call it. it it's kind of like a department that works in, you know, law, you know, it, it helps people that get out of prison and stuff like that. They're like an officer. And I prophesied that, um, and, uh, I said, well, three months that you're going to, you're going to get a call from probation and you're going to get hired. In three months, she got hired on probation. Now, mind you, she was trying for a whole year to get hired on with them. but when I was praying, I was praying for her and then the lord uh the Lord spoke to me about her to tell her that now I told her that, and she was absolutely amazed and then it ended up she ended up telling other coworkers there about that testimony, and God was given glory but notice though. The specifics, the details is what redounded to God's glory because it's too specific for it to be fraudulent and made up. Do you see? And so what the Lord wants to teach us is to be specific in your prayers. He, what he has asked, blind Bartimaeus, he's asking you and he's asking, what will you will for me to do? And blind Bartimaeus had enough sense to know I I know what I want, and I'm going to be specific to the Lord of what I need. Amen. And and notice though, right here, second Corinthians chapter twelve, it says verse seven Or because of the surpassing great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from being con- con- conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Now, Paul's prayer wasn't granted. Notice he didn't pray once. He prayed how many times? Three times? So so you, you might have prayed about it and said, God didn't answer. Okay, we'll keep praying about it. Well, I prayed a second time. God didn't answer. Keep praying about it. And this is where people get frustrated because they think God is supposed God is obliged to answer them on their time. He's not obliged okay. to answer you on your time. Yeah. So Paul was persistent. And, it, it, and that's where your faith is really tested. Can you keep enduring? But it's been a year. Okay. But can you keep praying? This praying stuff isn't working. That's precisely what the devil wants you to think. Is that the spirit of faith speaking or is that that the enemy? Because guess what? If you believe that, guess what you'll start doing? You'll stop praying. Right? Right? If you believe that lie that this praying stuff isn't working, what is the natural consequence that comes as a result? of it? What fruit will yield for your life if you believe that concept? You will pray a whole lot less. But what happens if you don't believe that and you say, you know what, I know that it hasn't come yet. I'm still going to keep pressing in because God hears prayer. Then you're going to keep pressing in. Amen. Right? But the reason why I'm reading this is because Paul this is the second thing i want you to learn is that when your prayers don't get answered if they if it the result doesn't come you can expect feedback from the lord as to why Amen. this is what people this is why again i i, I hate cessationism I, I i hate it with my guts because they teach you that god doesn't speak to you anymore that it, it, you God has said everything he needs to say, and it's in these 66 books. This is the canon of scripture. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it, no doubt. But God still is speaking to our spirits. He spoke to Paul. Why did Paul, who is more spiritual than all of us, get to enjoy hearing Christ himself, but we don't? So the spirit of truth is no longer guiding us? So, but here's the challenge that I want to make for you. When you're not getting an answer, do you tarry in the presence of the Lord and inquire to him and ask him, God, what's going on? What what where am I off here? Is there something that I'm doing wrong? And have you tuned your spiritual ears to be able to hear when God is giving you feedback? <clears throat> God, why isn't my business taking off? Why 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 am I not in school yet? And can you commit to an hour two hours praying and God still remain silent and say, tomorrow, I'm at it again. I'm inquiring of the Lord. Why have this? Why it, is there something that I need to know? Because prayer is a two way street. You talk to God and God talks to you. Amen. Amen. Amen, somebody. And this is where we're ill-equipped because we have not tarried long to commune with God to know when He's giving us directions or that God seeks to give us an answer to that prayer, but there's other things that we have left undone that until we get those things in order, He will not yield us the results that we are seeking from Him right and so i want us to be able to gain answers and but here's the thing there's no way around it other than relationship the bible says he shows you his secret counsels to those who who are humble and meek and and are shut up in the secret counsels of him his inner chambers so that why are you expecting results from the lord And when you don't commit to him in ardent and consecrated prayer. Right? I know that this message is not for the faint of heart. But then again, I want to educate people in things and spiritual realities that work. I have no business entertaining people and giving them the runaround on things that do not work. Jeremiah 33, verse 3, very amazing scripture. Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Okay? So that assumes calling unto the Lord. Right? <clears throat> I won't have us turn there. Um, but Mark 11, verse 22 through 24 says, Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, not if you pray, whatsoever things you desire so what do you desire you don't tell them you don't have to tell them to me but what is it that you desire and it says whatsoever things you desire when you ask believe that you have them and they shall be yours so is that is that the attitude that we bring to prayer that when we when we lift our hands as the evening sacrifice and our prayers are sent to him as incense, you might ask, Well, how do I know that I have I have that which I've asked of him? You know Okay, let me teach you this. When you sin, do you feel the peace of God? You feel an absence of peace. You feel a grief. Because because the Paul says in 1 Corinthians that we are one with the Lord in spirit. So when I grieve his spirit, my spirit becomes grieved. Amen. So when I pray and I find that peace is abundant and joy conjures in my heart, then I'm hitting a frequency in God that is pleasing to him. That's how I know that my prayers have ascended as incense. Because incense is an aroma to God that is pleasant to him. So when that's why when David says in Psalm 141, may my prayers ascend to you as incense and the lifting of my hands as be as the evening sacrifice. Understand that God doesn't accept all sacrifice. If it was blemished or or this person was a hypocrite, uh, God would not receive sacrifice. He even tells mm-hmm. us that in Hebrews, when quoting from the Psalms, Thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Behold, a body thou hast prepared for me. So when my body is not prepared unto the Lord as a consecration, I offer my whole body and my life as a living sacrifice. Those things to which I give God are not received to him as sacrifice. Okay, so I, when when if God receives the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice... In other words, what does the Bible say, who may ascend to the hill of the Lord but he that hath clean hands and a pure heart and has not sworn and lifted his soul unto idols? So when when God receives the lifting up of, of pure hands as the evening sacrifice and my prayers as incense which is a sweet aroma that gives pleasure to God's senses. Right? that's how I know that that which I petitioned to God has been received by him. In other words, he's hearing it. Does that make sense? Amen. Remember when David, he said, uh, uh, he, he inquired of the Lord and he said, shall I pursue the Amalekites? And the Lord responded to him, pursue for you shall recover all. So David was picking up feedback from the Lord. Amen. Amen. So so Um we'll we'll end it there. <clears throat> one thing I cannot encourage you guys enough to do is that we must be praying on our own time. We must make a habit of prayer. We must make a habit of it. Right? We have to daily, 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 daily. Every single day that it becomes a lifestyle it becomes habitual It becomes the the oxygen that we inhale and exhale right Amen. <clears throat> the bulk of Amen. your the bulk of your disappointments come because you have not made it a way of life and you you have not mastered it see when you've mastered prayer is that prayer has you you just don't have prayer It has you in the sense that you grip it and you cannot go a day without it. And it becomes supernaturally natural to you. And I want us to get there. That's why I keep prodding us so that our lives will not be characterized by disappointment and disenchantment and and despair. Okay? Okay. And so that's why, I'm again, I make it a habit to keep prodding us, prodding us, prodding us, prodding us. Because I want you to develop capacity in prayer. And the more develop, the more capacity that you develop in prayer, the less prayers you need. See, the baby that is barely learning to walk, they're always submitting prayer requests. And that's good. There's a place for that. But you need to attain to maturity. Not that in maturity you go without prayers from others, but it's that you don't feel like it's your lifeline. Right? Amen. You're not the person that goes to McDonald's and, and asks the your, your homeboy, Hey, can you spot me? Every time you go to McDonald's. <laughs> right? Amen.